Welcome to the English Florist Podcast. Today we join Lindsay many miles away from home for the start of the show. We're back in the flower studio for your questions from the mailbag and we close in Lindsay's garden, trying to find space amongst the sweet peas. Let's start though, next to the sea. It's Sunday morning and I am in Greece. I've been here a week now and um, I'm just walking down to the to the beach which is a bit ironic really because I've literally just walked past the most beautiful swimming pool I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen a fair few nice ones in my time. I've never stayed at a hotel that has an infinity pool and this one's got an infinity pool and I've literally just walked past it and I'm just making my way down to the beach. Um, most beaches in Greece are stony, it turns out, and this is no exception. Um, as I walk down here, they have planted the garden with herbs and it's just beautiful. The scent is incredible. They've been really thoughtful. Um, just I don't want to fall and make a complete tit of myself <laughs> I came down yesterday evening to to record something um, Neil my producer said the part of the new format is to have texture and layers to the podcast and um, that means obviously recording out and about so I have this fluffy thing that I call a growler. <laughs> it looks like I'm carrying like a teddy bear on top of my um, phone and I feel massively conspicuous, which is quite funny because um, no one's probably really looking. Anyway, can you hear that? I'm going to go for a swim. Um, it's about nine o'clock and I'm just going to be discreet now and... Um, put my phone down, pretend that my phone normally has a little fluffy thing on it because there's loads of people down here. I'm just putting you in my handbag. <laughs> I've just walked past a load of people about to go out on kayaks. I'm on the beach now. It's really tiny. I'll have to take a picture and then I can, then if you look onto the, the English Forest podcast website, um, page rather, my patron page there'll be a picture of where I am right now but I'm going to go for a swim in the sea because although there is that beautiful infinity pool I have to tell you there's nothing like swimming in the sea there just isn't so here I am the thing about um this past week so much has happened uh, I can't believe I've just been here a week but we flew in on Saturday to Kalamata and we hired a house. A Harry, my eldest son and his girlfriend Lucy came and uh, they went home yesterday. They're back in Peckham this morning. <sighs> a very grey, misly, autumnal Peckham. And we are here till Thursday in a lovely, beautiful village called Cardamile. And then Nick flies home on Thursday and I go into the mountain about 20 minutes north from here um, for a yoga retreat with the girls that I practice yoga with have done for the last 10-15 years so lucky old me 
I've, I don't remember taking this amount of time off ever before. It's over two weeks. We normally do sort of seven to ten days. Um, and this year we've had <laughs> we've had quite a few holidays. After the last two years with COVID, it's it's we're still sorting our work life balance out. And I realised in lockdown that I I had too much work and not enough life. And so this year, I've made a huge effort to get that balance right. And I will probably allude to this often on the podcast, but it feels so wrong and yet so right. Um, Anyway, I completely digress because what a week I've had. Um, So on the Monday, we were just settling into breakfast by the pool of our beautiful house just outside in the mountains. Kalamata and my youngest son Angus who was also invited but couldn't come due to work commitments he's a chef he messaged us to say don't worry but I've just been hit by a car and of course we went <gasps> and we face I facetimed him and there he was strapped on a stretcher in the Royal London Hospital having bounced off the bumper and shattered the windscreen of somebody who didn't seem to see him and my son is six foot four um he's not small and and skinny and shrinking violet he's a substantial fella um and he did quite a lot of damage to the car and i think the ambulance men or the paramedics when they looked at the damage to the car realized quite how badly he was run over um he bounced off the the bumper and onto the road and has got some pretty savage hematomas apparently but luckily luckily nothing broken so that was the start of my week and then of course the utter sadness and loss of our our queen elizabeth ii on thursday and i will forever remember that moment it was half past six our time that that lucy said across the table oh my god the queen has died and so we've been watching from afar um Yes, I think so much has been said about that. And I I do want to talk about um, flowers and funerals. I I talk about it a lot because it's such an important, important thing as a florist, flowers and funerals. So I'm going to come back to that later. But um, the reason why we are here in this beautiful part of the world is originally because my girlfriend's wanted to come here on a yoga retreat and so therefore we booked our holiday um, and it's not just any old holiday um, I've been married 30 years tomorrow <laughs> to my lovely husband Nick God he needs an award and I've thought about talking to him about marriage but actually I think I think I'm just going to touch on it but I think he's going to remain in the background he did say yesterday, actually, when we were having dinner, well, I, are you ready for this? Are you ready for my thoughts on, on marriage, 30 years of marriage? Um, do you want to have the lawyers ready? So there's much humour. Um, but now, while we will talk about marriage, I think as a wedding florist, it's a bit like um, as when I was once a midwife. People often focus on the labour part of having a baby and they seem to forget that there's a whole lifetime of being a parent thereafter. Um, And whilst it is important to focus on the labour, because it's quite a a significant moment in your life, giving birth, um, marriage is quite a significant moment too, that outward um, ceremonial process. 
the ceremony of marriage, but but behind it all is so much more. Um, there's a lifetime of 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 you know working together as a couple, and and how that does change. So yeah, we'll talk about that. But right now, I'm going to go in the sea. So um, I'm going to sign off, have a little dip. Um, I've been here a week and I've not actually swam in the sea because we were up the mountain and had the most delicious swimming pool imaginable. Um, And yes, I have just walked past the beautiful infinity pool, um, but that was full of people. And um, I've realised since I've been at this hotel only a day that I was just by the pool yesterday when Nick drove Lucy and Harry to the airport. It's full of English people. Um, I'm sure they're all very lovely. They're all very privileged because this is a very swanky hotel. But they do talk very loudly and it's almost to the point where everybody can hear their conversations. And I couldn't focus on my book because you end up just listening to other people's really boring, trite conversations. (laughs) Um, There was one couple, definitely a Yorkshire accent, who were very keen to tell everyone that they, they had the best, almost the best room in the hotel. And so I was telling this to Nick, saying, I can't believe people are so loud. And it was almost like they wanted everyone to know that theirs is one of the best rooms. And Nick said, well, did you tell them that you had the best room? Because actually, (laughs) I said to Nick, it's our 30th wedding anniversary. I don't think either of us have bought each other a card. Um, And I don't think he's bought me a present. And I certainly haven't bought him a present. Um, But I did say, and don't go thinking that you're going to buy, you know, rent a mid-range room this is our 30th wedding anniversary I want the one with the jacuzzi on the top floor and said you know what I'm quite shocked I'm quite shocked I didn't think he would do it but he did he booked it and it's it's epic so um I'm probably not going to be out and about much I'm just going to be swanking around that room um it's got two terraces not one but two um and yes it's got the most amazing view over the sea where I am now um, I watched the sunset last night on my own because Nick was obviously doing the airport run, but it was magnificent. So I'm going to milk it because I probably won't come to a hotel like this again ever. <laughs> um, obviously, we have a we have a camper van, and so we've been we we yeah, we we just tootle around in our camper van mostly these days this year um i'm very happy just to pop into little and get a steak and a salad and a bottle of wine and just enjoy the solitude of my husband and a good book and a beautiful view and by my camper van and if i'm lucky we're somewhere where the dog can come too so i'm ordinarily i'm a simple woman who likes really simple pleasures um but i've got to say it is an absolute treat to be here i mean oh my gosh so um before you switch off and go oh shut up limbs i'm gonna go and kind of have a lovely quiet swim and go and have a bit of breakfast and um yeah well let's talk about funeral flowers for our beautiful late queen elizabeth and let's talk about marriage yeah marriage is a really good subject i've got a lot to say on it i think being married 30 years and i'm a wedding florist um and i'll catch you later let's hope there are no sharks out there morning thank you it is monday the 12th of september and i don't know if you can hear that in the distance 
I'm looking up at the main road that runs through Cardamile. There's a concrete truck. One of those big concrete mixers crawling up the hill. I'm just making my way down the path towards the beach, past that very glorious infinity pool, along the pathway with all the lovely scented herbs. Hello, Pusscat. Well. Hello. 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 There are lots of quite scrawny cats, but quite sweet cats, actually. Um, Lots of cats here. You think they're stray, but I think they're all probably... I think people own collections of cats rather than just one pet cat. Anyway, just making my way down the steps gone past the swanky infinity pool um, where I waved earlier I just said hello to the a lady I met while swimming up and down yesterday evening um, it was her 46th wedding anniversary yesterday and with her in the pool was her son oh I've got a follower hello are you following me yes her son is getting married on Saturday here in Cardamile and um, so I had a lovely chat about why he chose to get married abroad. <laughs> um, very interested as a wedding florist and today, 12th of September, is my 30th wedding anniversary. So I'm going to go down onto the beach now. Here we are. On the beach and there is definitely a bag on my rock where I sat yesterday. I can't see anybody. mailbag part of the show and if you would like to ask me a question please send your questions via my instagram account at the white horse flower i will note it down write it down on a bit of paper and answer it here in my studio so today's question is from jd mcgee and they ask what is my favorite foliage well, <laughs> how long is a piece of string? Um, I've, I've thought about this. I've broken it down into a couple of options here. And I think the first thing to say is because I live in England, it's a seasonal reply. So depending on the time of year, and I could really kind of spend hours discussing foliage. If I'm having a consultation with a couple about wedding flowers and very often people say, oh, I want lots of greenery. May, for example, you would think May is spring and it's full of all those lovely spring greens, really bright, limey greens. The thing is, as a florist, you can't cut those greenery um, stems because they are very, very tender and new and they will just wilt. And so although... If you think, if you visualise May in your mind's eye, it is really verdantly green and, as I say, bright, bright spring greens. But actually, from a a cut flower florist perspective, it's an absolute nightmare. So I tend to import a lot of my foliage that's going to be sturdy, that's going to hold up in my arrangements. 
If I'm thinking about winter, I'm thinking about structure and things like that. So twigs and branches and maybe the very last of the autumnal leaves. And then I'm going to be probably pillaging things like ivy from the hedgerows, all the evergreens. Believe it or not, eucalyptus is a winter foliage. So if I'm buying eucalyptus, I tend to buy eucalyptus from the UK during the months, well, actually from probably October, well, no, not October, probably about November time, all the way through till about April. I know that my local, I say local, I think he's in Wales, (laughs) Wales, <laughs> um, they will send it to me. And it's, oh, it's because it's so fresh. It's just so richly, heavily scented with that unmistakable smell. It's just delightful. And then for my wreath workshops, well, of course, if you're thinking of Christmas wreath workshops, you're thinking of spruce. So you could probably use a Christmas tree or something like that. You could almost cut it down. You could almost buy a Christmas tree and chop it down. And I know some florists do actually do that, but there are so many other evergreen foliages around that you could use. I tend to source all of those things locally. So my local flower growers in and around Berkshire and Hampshire will be able to supply me with much of that. But I do have a couple of imported favourites and I would say soft ruscus is my go-to. One of the reasons why I say soft ruscus is a favourite is because now that I'm not using floral foam in any of my floral work, I tend to use chicken wire and or moss. Um, And as we like to call the mossages, sort of little spongy kind of blocks of chicken wire stuffed with this lovely sphagnum moss. And it's wet and I push my stems in and, and ruscus, soft ruscus in particular, it's sort of quite fine and feathery. It peters out at the end. And I love it because you can just, it stands the heat of being in a kind of hot, sweaty, thumping reception room with loads of central heating. But in the middle of summer, equally, um, I could maybe have pillaged from somebody's garden and, and forest or woodland some birch and some beech and things but if it's swelteringly hot they invariably just curl up and die and go crispy whereas good old ruscus soft ruscus just holds its own and it won't let you down Um, and so I would say ruscus is one of my cut flower imported favorites where possible because I'm fortunate that I have a garden that I can pillage from I have a couple of trees and shrubs around which I can also cut so there's a lovely red cotinus or smoke bush that I love I have lots and lots of ivy which um, ordinarily most people would say chop it down because it sort of strangles trees but I absolutely butcher the living daylights out of it over Christmas because I use a lot of it in my wreath workshops so ivy is a good go-to and then there are things like herbs which you can grow in your garden so the humble rosemary I use a lot in my funeral work for remembrance I love the scent of it and I do use it in all sorts of things not just funeral work I love sage and of course that flowers in the spring so you get the lovely grey sagey green colour as well as the beautiful purple flowers and of course oregano and mint which flower and also smell incredible. So those are my favourite foliage, plural. Um, And thank you so much JD McGee. And on to the next question from Maisie Dandelion 1998. Is a florist a hard career? (laughs) Is a florist a hard career? Yes, 
undoubtedly. And and I'm saying that as an ex-midwife and an ex-nurse, I really didn't appreciate just how physical being certainly an event florist is. And I think there are different types of floristry. Um, I am an event florist. I don't run a florist shop. And I'm not for one second suggesting that running a florist shop is any easier than event floristry. They're just slightly different. But I think when people think of a florist, if I meet somebody for the first time and they say to me, Linz, what do you do? And I say I'm a florist. I think they just think I'm flower arranging and that's it. You know, I'm just kind of artfully floating around in a probably a pretty floral gingham dress or something. And um, and I'm just fanning about with the flowers. And it couldn't be further from the truth. It just couldn't be. If I just take yesterday, for example, um, I was teaching a workshop with another florist and we were just saying as women of a certain age how physical the actual job is of lugging heavy buckets full of water full of flowers they're really really heavy our upper body strength you do need to have a degree of I wouldn't say I'm I'm certainly not some lithe lean athletic type at all (laughs) but I certainly have upper body strength and I think if you're going to be doing event floristry and the way that it's going with all these upright floral installations and hanging installations you need to be able to climb a ladder to stand at the top of a ladder on top of a bit of a cherry picker or a piece of scaffolding in a marquee and reach up and lean over and hoik things up And I'm just thinking back to a wedding that I did earlier on this spring and I took with me to the venue the biggest ladder that I could fit inside my van and it literally went all the way through the back of my van and under one of the passenger seats and then it had an extendable bit on top of it and so one of my colleagues was standing at the bottom of this ladder and we extended it to the absolute highest point and I was literally at the top of it and I didn't realise until that point that i didn't like heights particularly and I was able to just about reach the top of this enormous vast marquee and and tie my rope across the central pole and down and around and secure it firmly and then I had to proceed to do eight eight meter garlands which took precisely two days two well I'd say one half day of putting it all up and starting to green it up and we worked till about eight o'clock that evening and then the next day we worked again until the evening toiling and I honestly we really really worked hard so you, you can't be a lightweight so is a florist a hard job yes that's just two simple examples but yes it really really is a hard job um lightweights need not apply so thank you so much Maisie Dandelion 1998 what a cracking question I think I could spend about two days discussing what it is to be a florist and maybe I'll save that for another time (laughs) I'd like to end this week with me in my garden actually I've got these two raised beds at the front of my house and one of them is absolutely rammed to the gunwales with sweet peas. Some would say that I have slightly overdone it. I think that's an under-exaggeration. It's it's ridiculous. I, I literally, I refuse to not plant every single plantling or seedling that I had. I digress. I'm, I'm cutting my sweet peas and they are just coming to the end actually as I'm as I'm actually recording this episode or 
the closure of this show, it's the end of my sweet peas. They're sort of, well, I say it's the end. They've probably got another 10 days, two weeks best. Um, but the stems are shortening. And if you have grown sweet peas, you know that the first flush are spectacular. And they could be about 60 centimetres long. And the, the stems are really quite robust. And as the season progresses, you get a smidge of green fly and they get spindlier and shorter and shorter. So um, I'm just gathering them in. And at the beginning of the season as well, you, you have to kind of snip all of those tendrils out of the way because they sort of snarl around and grip onto the little stem and then kind of twist it and contort it. And it's not a lovely straight stem anymore. So um, I, I just, I'm just cutting the actual stems of the sweet pea on a longer stem of sweet pea does that make sense so i've actually got tendrils and leaves not just that one stem coming out of the plant i'm cutting the actual plant back now as it were so that i've got some sort of stem length and i actually love 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 those tendrils um they're kind of they're very the white horse flower they're very they're kind of sort of those little feathery twisty edgy bits are just beautiful they're absolutely beautiful um and the smell of the sweet peas well i mean it's just just magical i think it's probably it could oh actually no honeysuckles up there with sweet peas but they're on their neck and neck i couldn't i couldn't choose one over the other to be honest so i'm just cutting them back um but they they had their day a couple of weeks ago when i had the honor of arranging the flowers for my husband's um late father he he was 90 and he'd lived a very very fine and full life and he he made he made his 90th back in march and and then sadly in june he passed away and um, we had a few weeks to prepare and organize his his funeral and it was particularly special because if you followed me and my podcast before you know that um in lockdown i lost my father and my mother-in-law and so i also arranged their flowers too and i did talk about them but michael was a he was he was just such a lovely gentleman and and one of my fondest memories is when I first met Nick and I've known my husband for 38 years now and I went to stay at their house which was down in East Sussex and they lived down a little lane in the weald of Burwash oh it's just so beautiful and um I was put into the spare room as one did in those days um the guest room and on the side were some sweet peas because of course his dad grew them in the kitchen garden and they were just beautiful um in a little tiny sort of thin necked vase with a few stems in there and so when I was um planning or discussing flowers with Nick I suggested that we might incorporate sweet peas into his funeral tribute but the other thing about Michael was he loved golf after his his wife passed away and he would spend a couple of weeks with us over the years that he was still he was still with us um i'd often park him in the in the sitting room with the golf on the masters and he'd just be happily whiling away a whole afternoon just watching the masters and so i said although i don't really do the sorts of tributes where you sort of make a shape or a football or i wasn't suggesting for one second i'd make a golf club <laughs> out of flowers um but I did threaten Nick. I did say, how about a golf club? But what I wanted, what I did for him was I created a little strip of turf, literally down the middle of this plank of wood. And I kind of created some mossages, which are like little 
rolls, sausages of, of, of moss wrapped in chicken wire. And we had to make the whole thing from scratch. You know, there, there wasn't a base plate for this at the wholesalers. We have to cut a piece of wood and then we put some little blocks of wood down the middle. And ordinarily, I would have probably used a little bit of flat moss as as a, an interpretation of turf but I knew that Michael had spent his lifetime trying to get the bloody moss out of the garden and so we ummed and ahed about this and so I said well I don't want to make it too heavy because it's going to be you know there's a coffin and then we need to put the flowers on top and it, it can be quite hefty um, but we decided we ummed and ahed and we decided finally that we would actually put a piece of turf a strip down the middle and we secured his favorite putter onto this piece of turf and then we glued in a little tee with a golf ball and propped his putter next to it and then all the way around the edge we made we I did actually I just put lots of foliage scented foliage lots of mint lots of geranium and then of course the sweet peas in there with their lovely lovely tendrils and that just flowed out and it was just perfect. It was the perfect fitting end to this lovely man's life, part of his, his tribute at, at, the, at the actual funeral. And it was really, really special for me to do. And there were lots of things that sort of struck me about actually creating these flowers. Um, my husband doesn't really do flowers at all. He really doesn't. He's not in the least bit interested. If I were to ask him what a particular... I could hold up a stem and say, what's this, Nick? He he would just josh with me and go, oh, it's a daffodil when it was a, I don't know, Lysianthus or something. And occasionally he would get it right and when I'd, you know, would, I'd be laughing and teasing him. Um, but actually he did take quite a keen interest in the construction of this floral tribute for his father. And it was really special to me that I was A, able to make it, and B, it was such a personal tribute, which we alluded to actually at the, at the funeral as well. He mentioned it that, you know, you can't actually see it, but in there amongst the sweet peas is this lovely golf club lying on a piece of perfect green turf. And you know what, that's kind of the essence of what I do really. It's just making flowers that this sort of telling a story through flowers and that's what we did there it was very very personal to him and yeah just the most fitting tribute and um better get back to um snipping my sweet peas oh, those tendrils. join Lindsay kitchen every two weeks for the new english florist podcast in between the shows on the patreon channel to come extra snippings but until November, you'll find extra snippings here. The new one is out next Sunday. <laughs>